with me for the call or for the reading of scripture, today's text. You may open your Bible to Psalm chapter 20. I don't know what page it's on. Oh, it's page 456 in the Blue Pew Bible. This is Psalm chapter 20 to the choir master, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices, Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My name is Brett Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Christian Fellowship where we exist to glorify God through gospel-centered worship and gospel-centered evangelism and gospel-centered discipleship and gospel-centered community. It's a joy to be here. We are uh, taking a break from our study on Luke to spend 10 weeks in the Psalms, which we plan to do for the next 13 years. We finished Psalm 150. I'm not sure what we're going to do with Psalm 119. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, let, me, let me pray, and we will interact with this wonderful text that God has chosen to speak to us, this people, on this day before the foundation of the world. He wanted you to hear this. Lord, we're thankful for this text. We're thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful that we can rely on you. And Lord, we confess that the day of trouble is always around us. And so we pray that you would answer us when we call, even now, that you would be pleased to display your glory in Jesus Christ. Pray that I would be forgettable, but that your text and your spirit would be so impactful that lives are transformed from the inside out, which is impossible for me. So help, help us all, Lord. Have mercy on us. In Jesus' name, amen. So you are watching the news and you hear the story that there is a foreign army invading Portland. The day of trouble has come to Portland. They overrun Portland. A day later, you see the news story. The same thing has happened in Seattle. And this foreign army is marching eastward. You hear the stories. The Dow's has gone down. Cleelum, the Tri-Cities, has been overrun. Ritzville didn't make it. And your friends from Cheney start texting you. 
There's no one to help. The U.S. Army doesn't seem to be putting any sort of dent in them. The planes are flying overhead. It doesn't stop them. This is a day of trouble. And then your friends from Cheney say, we see them. There's so many of them. You start to smell the smoke and hear the bombs, and they're marching on Spokane. The day of trouble has come, and you can't avoid it. Well, see, King David, he was, as all kings were in this time, a warrior king. The way you protected your people was you went to war. You defended your people that way. You protected your borders. And this time here in Psalm 20, the day of trouble is coming. And so the the people of Israel gather around their king before they send him off into battle. Send him off into the day of trouble. Now, some of you here are experiencing the day of trouble. Maybe it's not a military problem. Maybe it's not life or death or it doesn't feel that way, but maybe it is that relationship, that addiction, that fight. You just can't seem to get settled. The job situation. And maybe you feel like there's no one who's able to help. But what should we believe then? Here's the overarching theme that we should walk away from. In the day of trouble, the Lord will help. In the day of trouble, no matter what that day of trouble is, if you're one of God's people, the Lord will help. He'll help. So here we have this send-off assembly. We're going to see four things that this text provides for us about how the, the Lord will help. And they center around the name The name of the Lord. It's in all caps there. We'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to see that you pray to the Lord, knowing that the Lord will help. Pray to the Lord. Then secondly, you should expect victory from the Lord. Because the Lord helps, you can expect victory. Third, we should trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And then fourth, we should unite around the Lord. So four things. That first one, first thing we should do when we see the day of trouble coming and knowing that the Lord will help us, we should pray to the Lord. In the day of trouble, pray to the Lord. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me. Here's the people praying for David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings. And regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. So here's the people, they're speaking to the king, but you recognize that they're really speaking to God. These are prayers. May God answer you when you call. May he help you. May he send out help from Zion where his tabernacle is, his holy place. Well, may God go with you. We're praying, God, would you go with our king? We need you. Our king needs you. If he fails, we all fail. In the day of trouble, go with him, God. And then verse 3, we see this this talk about, may may God remember your offerings and your sacrifices that David has offered in the past. past. May, May God remember that you are for God, David. Now, this is an interesting thing. In other religions, they have sacrifices, they have offerings. And here's how it works. Hey, God whoever you may be, I'm going to do something for you. 
Now, if I do this, if I offer this burnt sacrifice, if I give you this offering, you're going to do something for me. And so in most cultures, in most religions, really all other religions that are man-made, here's what happens. You use works like offerings and sacrifices to manipulate God. You make him do what you want to do. But that's not the way this works, and that's not what David is doing. See, David recognizes the way sacrifices work for his God is you come knowing you have nothing. You come knowing you have no claim on God's goodness. You can't uh, force him to do anything. And so it's a sign of humility to come and offer sacrifices. It's a, it's a sign showing you need help and that you're hopeless if God doesn't step in in the day of trouble. And he recognizes that he was nothing apart from the Lord. So this is a different sort of sacrifice we're seeing. And here's why you can be, have confidence when you pray to the Lord in the day of trouble. Because there has been a perfect sacrifice offered for you. We're told in the New Testament that Jesus' whole life was a, a life of perfect offerings. And then he offered himself up on the cross as the perfect sacrifice. And he defeated death, was raised from the dead, and he's seated at God the Father's right hand. And here's why this is good news. They're praying, God, would you remember David's sacrifices? But if Jesus, the eternal Son of God, is right next to God the Father, then God can't forget that sacrifice. He's always right there. So you can be confident that God's going to hear your prayers. You don't need to try to manipulate him. He's always for you. The perfect sacrifice, the perfect offering is already there waiting. They're continuing to have an impact, continuing to be seen and accepted by God. So you can pray in the day of trouble. God is for you if you're in Christ by faith. But we have to practice this, don't we? Do we see that we need God every single day? We need the Lord every single day. That we recognize that apart from God's grace, every day is the day of trouble because the wrath of God is just hanging over our heads. So that job loss, that terminal diagnosis, the news story, the economic collapse, the betrayals, they can come at any moment. Miscarriages. Abuse, those things happen even to Christians every day. And yet the Lord is always helping us. He's always helping us. We should be praying. The day of trouble, pray to the Lord. He will help us. So in the day of trouble, the Lord will help. Now the second thing we should see about how the Lord helps. First he helps so we pray and now Number two, in the day of trouble, expect victory from the Lord. Expect victory from the Lord. Look at verses four and five. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. We so often say, you know, something bad happens, we say, well, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is, I guess. But see, that's not what the Holy Spirit is driving us to pray here 
or believe. He's driving us to expect victory. They're saying, hey, David, you're going off to war, and guess what? We're going to be sewing up the banners for the parade so we can march with you. We're ready for this victory to come. And this word for plans there and petitions, those, those point to military terms, actually, like strategies. May God use your strategies. May God help you succeed in what you're thinking and planning. But they're expecting victory. Now, often in my life, I don't know if you can relate to this, sometimes I think, you know, God can do good things for me. He can but I, I don't think he will. He might do that. He might help somebody else bring victory for something else, somebody else, but probably not for me. But that's not the attitude we should have as Christians. We should expect victory. Listen to Romans 8, 31 through 35. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then in verse 37, the Holy Spirit answers those questions. And it's no. No. All these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's not it is what it is. It's God's going to win because Jesus has come and died. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So expect victory in the day of trouble. In the day of trouble, expect victory. Now, that victory might be a little different than you expect. It might mean getting a lower-paying job. It might mean needing to move. But God might use that to transform you to be like Jesus. He will. It might actually mean dying, but passing through this life to the life to come. And that's victory. You should expect it. There will be victories through that. In the day of trouble, the Lord will help. He'll help. And if that's true, then you can pray. And if that's true, then you can expect victory. Now the third thing. In the day of trouble, trust in the Lord. If you want to write that down, write down LORD in all capital letters. In the day of trouble, trust in the Lord. The Lord, look at verses 6 through 8 with me. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. This is David now responding. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Now, like I said, it's almost certainly King David here doing the praying. And this shift has occurred. He has total confidence in the Lord. The Lord's going to do it. 
We can trust in the Lord. He has the Holy Spirit driving him, saying, no, we trust in the Lord. All our enemies, the battles, the people that might be invading, they've got chariots and horses, which are like the, the atomic warfare weaponry of this time. They're like the tanks and the what are, what, supersonic, no, not supersonic, the, whatever those missiles are that we're all worried is going to get launched from North Korea. We, we would want to trust in those things, wouldn't we? But David says, no, you trust in those things, you fall. But when you trust in the Lord, there's victory. They will fall. They will fail. And here for the third time in these verses, in this chapter, we hear reference to this idea of the Lord, the name of the Lord. How can a name protect you? Verse 1, the name of God. How can a name help us receive salvation and victory? That's verse 5. How can we trust in a name in verse 7? So right now I'm speaking to maybe a couple hundred people. But if I pick out one name and I say your name, all of a sudden it differentiates. A name differentiates. It isolates. It could be any, I could be talking to any of you right now, but then as soon as I say a name, boom, Unless it's Emma. I notice there's lots of Emmas here. Um, one name, boom. Talking to one person, isolated. Trusting in, in the name. Trusting in no one else. Talking to no one else. So a name is used to represent a person. You Lord of the Rings fans know that, or The Hobbit, Gandalf says, what does Gandalf mean? Gandalf means me. So when you say Gandalf, you're talking about me. When you say the name of the Lord, you're talking about the Lord. And when we look at the name of God here, that word for Lord, you notice it's in all capital letters. And a lot of you will remember that that's the way the translators of the King James Version transferred that Hebrew name Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. They left it in all capital letters. And that name has significance. Before Jesus came, there is, and, and the Father and the Spirit are still this way, God doesn't have a body. So he has to reveal himself different ways. And one of the first ways he reveals himself, where we see this name, is Moses. Moses is out in the desert. He sees this burning bush, but, and he sees it burning, and he thinks like, oh, it's going to be burned up in a second. And he looks away and checks back on the sheep for a while, and he looks, and the, the bush is still there, burning. Huh, check this thing out. He goes over there and it's God revealing himself and he speaks out of, out of this burning bush. Says that he's holy. Listen to me. I'm going to send you to Egypt and you're going to bring my, you're going to lead my people out of slavery. And Moses says, well, who should I say you are? He says, well, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You remember them? Yeah. It's like, but who should I say sent me to save the Lord, Yahweh, which means I am what I am. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. So he has a seed, he has self-existence. He can't die. He wasn't created. So that's what the name of God means. And then David, or excuse me, Moses goes a little bit later, and he wants God to show him his glory. And God says, you can't see see me and, and live. 
but I'll tell you what you can do. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of pass by you. And what does he do? He doesn't all of a sudden reveal himself as this man-shaped being. He says the name. He proclaims the name. The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh. And so in Exodus 34, 6 through 7, he said, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So the Lord, the name of the Lord, means uniting to the Lord himself. And he's, look how wonderful he is. He can't die. In the day of trouble, he can't die. He can't be defeated. He can't lose. That's good news, to trust in the Lord. He can't, he's, stead, he's full of steadfast love and faithfulness. That's hesed, that's this Hebrew word for this binding covenant love. He won't leave you. In the day of trouble, he won't leave you. Just so you know, there's a breaking point for everybody else in your world. You might be too far away geographically. The relationship might get so strained that it breaks. They won't be, they won't be there for you in the day of trouble. But not the Lord. He'll be there in the day of trouble. It's who he is. He's faithful. And what's really interesting about him calling himself faithful here in Exodus is when you think about this, Herman Bobbing says this, talking about the names of God, a person's faithfulness can only be tested in the long run and especially in times of distress. The only way you know that the Lord is faithful is to go through the day of trouble. So sometimes people will look at Christians and say, you should believe in God, you crazy nuts. Look at you. You're still suffering. You still have cancer. Why is there all this evil in the world? But actually, that's not an argument against who God is at all. It's actually an opportunity for God's people to really believe he is who he is, that he really is faithful. It really is an opportunity for God to show that he's good, and he can display his goodness and glory. On the day of trouble, God's name, the name that speaks of faithfulness and steadfast love, of forgiveness and of justice directed towards evil, will be there for you. We can trust him. But how do you trust? What does that look like to actually trust God? What do you trust in the day of trouble? A few weeks ago, I was having a hard day at work. I don't know what time I got off work, but I thought, man, uh, I need something. My heart was looking for something to trust. So on the way home, I stopped at Albertsons. And I walked in the door, and the first thing I thought in my mind was, what alcohol can I drink tonight? I don't think it's a sin to drink alcohol. Never been drunk. But then I thought, no, this is too serious. This day of trouble is too serious for alcohol. I need something stronger. So I walked to the cereal aisle. <laughs> I was looking for something that wouldn't let me down. 
So I bypassed everything that might distract me. I was keying in on one thing that I could trust in the day of trouble, and there it was, the box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> and I pulled it off, and I pulled it off the shelf, and I thought, you will satisfy me tonight. You will deliver me out of this day of trouble. And I thought, it's not enough. I need the big box. So I put it back, grabbed the big box. Now that seems kind of funny, and it is kind of funny, but it's the same sin that causes people to worship idols and get hooked on drugs and to abandon their spouses, saying, I need something, and God, you're not enough. I need something that will comfort me now in this day of trouble. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to look for pleasure somewhere else. I'm going to get that sugar injection. Watch the Netflix show. We're looking for something to trust in the day of trouble. But David says it will fail us. We'll fail. The box of cereal will fail. The boyfriend seems so sincere, all those promises. The day of trouble will fail. A bottle of gin, an Xbox, they won't really help us. They'll just distract us. We think we're escaping for a moment, but we will fall in the day of trouble. And the Bible tells us that apart from Jesus, every day is the day of trouble. And the reason being is this. The wrath of God for our sins is really at the gate of our souls every day unless we have a protector. We have someone to save us, to deliver us in the day of trouble because the Bible says that no matter what you think your biggest problems are or I think they are, maybe it's, you think it's your weight or your health or the economy or your boss, fill in the blank. The Bible says your biggest problem is you and your sin. Whether we want to believe that or not, that's what God tells us. And so we need faith in Jesus. And the way we grow in faith, which is just another word for trust in the Lord, is by hearing the gospel. So we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. Say, so okay, wait, right now I want to trust in Cinnamon Toast Crunch or whatever, but that won't satisfy me. What's the real problem here? We need to trust in the Lord, David says. Trust in the Lord himself. We need to trust in the name of the Lord. And here's this really interesting thing about this idea of name. In the New Testament, you get out Bible Gateway or something, you go home, you, you search the word name in your Bible and you look in the book of Acts. It's, that name shows up, that word name shows up, I think, 62 times in the book of Acts alone. And here's how that word is used. It's used either of naming a new person to the story. That's only part of the time, though. Most of the time, it's you call in the name of Jesus to be saved. It's, it's only through the name of Jesus that salvation comes. By faith in his name. So the way you trust in the name of the Lord is you trust in the name of Jesus. You trust in Jesus. He's the anointed one that we read about in this passage. David's the little anointed one. His 
His offspring, Jesus, is the Messiah, the anointed one. That's what Messiah means. And just like if David failed in battle and the people of Israel suffer, if Jesus failed, we would suffer. But Jesus didn't fail. He did not fail. He succeeded. And if he succeeds, his people succeed. He went into the battle, the day of trouble, his whole life. And he defeated our sin. And he defeated Satan. And he did that at the cross. It looks like a loss. Doesn't seem like a victory. But that's how he defeats sin. He dies in our place as our substitute. He casts down Satan. And then we see the victory when he rises from the dead. So is that you this morning? Have you really trusted in Jesus? If Jesus were in the supermarket, would you go only to him? Or would you say, you know, there's this other stuff too. I'll just get it on the way to Jesus in the back of the store. Bring that with me just in case. That's not trusting in Jesus. It's him and him alone. So turn away from trusting in those other things and trust in the name of Jesus. And he won't turn you away. He will help in the day of trouble. He will help because he went all the way to the cross for you. What else can he do? He's gone all the way. He's willing to give up his life for you. So call on the name of Jesus this morning and every day. And if you don't ever trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to remember what Moses said about the name of the Lord. He said, you know, he won't clear the guilty. There's no covenant love for people that aren't in his covenant, who aren't in a relationship with him. You'll fall. You'll be trusting in chariots and horses and you'll fall. And Jesus says that fall is an eternal hell. We don't want that for you. So trust in the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. And when you preach the gospel to yourself like that, the Holy Spirit uses that as like energy and power, powers you to trust him more. So in the day of trouble, trust in the Lord. The Lord will help. We can pray to the Lord. We can expect victory from the Lord. We can trust in the Lord. And lastly, the last one briefly, in the day of trouble, unite around the Lord. In the day of trouble, unite around the Lord. Unite around him. Look at verse 9. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. You look at the end of this, you look at this chapter, you see these first person plural language. If you're grammar geeks, for the rest of us, that just means we see us, we, our. It's personal and individual, but it's also including other people. So these people have gathered around the Lord in the day of trouble. Praying to God, answer us when we call. Trusting in the name of the Lord together in verse 7. Shouting for joy together in their shared God in verse 5. In the day of trouble, the Lord will help. And one of the ways he does that is by being with other believers not united around politics or hobbies or whatever, but united around Jesus. So in the day of trouble, you should want to be around other Christians. Now, honestly, Christians can do some of the worst things in the day of trouble. 
We can start to sugarcoat suffering. We can try to give lame excuses or dumb advice. We can be unloving. But God's spirit is present in a unique way when his people gather. And the Bible and church history point again and again to him being especially present when the church gathers. Just like a fire gets weaker when you scatter the logs or a building gets weaker when you take the bricks, separate them. Or the army gets weaker when you divide the troops. On the day of trouble, you want to unite around the Lord. So one of the things we have to believe in the day of trouble is that God has given other Christians to help us. So sometimes you need to text your discipleship group or your community group when you're facing the day of trouble, when you're facing temptation. You should come to church even if you don't feel like you even have the energy to get in the shower. Come to church. Tell people that you're experiencing the day of trouble. And so I want to practice that right now. I want to give you a moment. I want, I'm going to ask you this question. ask you to be courageous in the day of trouble. Who here feels like they are in the day of trouble right now? It can be about anything. Raise your hands high. Now I want other people to look around them and gather with them and pray for them right now. And I'm going to call us back towards the very end. I'm going to give you a few minutes. So look around, keep your hands up if that's you, and pray for one another in the day of trouble. that you remember the perfect sacrifice of Jesus 
and the perfect offerings of Jesus and that you're going to help in the day of trouble. We pray you would help these people. Amen. So often we live our lives kind of like in the day of trouble, we're surrounded by the pack of wolves and we've got our sharp stick and we're kind of poking at the one and concerned about what's going to come from behind us. And as soon as somebody comes, joins the circle, back to back, all of a sudden we feel like we've got a chance. We don't have to spin around. It's not as exhausting anymore. Here's the interesting thing, that Jesus is proof that the Lord will help in the day of trouble. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Jesus is proof. The world was experiencing days of trouble, and Jesus entered into that and lived it. And Jesus used to sing this psalm. And he knew deep down that this was about him and his father and his spirit. And that the Lord would answer in the day of trouble. And he knew he would be securing the answer for us, the love for us, the defense for us. Let me close in prayer. Lord, we're thankful that you will help on the day of trouble. Would you help us to really believe that? To trust in the name of Jesus. To live holy lives knowing that we can expect victory. And give us courage to extend the good news of our Lord's help in the day of trouble to all those we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. We celebrate the Lord's Supper every week. Um, for this week, I want to I read from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 through 17. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread.